Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. Uh, this is Maggie, and I'm Ian. And on this episode, we're going to be doing the 30th Best Picture winner, Bridge on the River Kwai. You said our names in a different order than usual, and it kind of threw me for a loop. Hey, maybe that was on purpose. Uh, sure. I don't know why, but okay. <laughs> uh, so The Bridge on the River Kwai is a 1957 World War II epic in which William Holden plays an American soldier who escapes from a Japanese POW camp and then later returns in order to stop the construction of a railway bridge. And it centers on the sort of battle of wills between the British commander, Colonel Nicholson, played by Alec Guinness, and the um, Colonel Sato, the Japanese commander, played by Seshua Hayakawa. Both performances were It's good quite performances good. all around, pretty much in this one. Yeah, acting was really great. Yes. And very, the material good. was good, unlike our last episode where, you know. I mean, the last one wasn't terrible, but this one definitely was the better one. Because Much better. we are recording both of those episodes back to back, so... We watch the movies pretty much back to back. Double epic. Yeah, it's it's, it's a rough time, y'all. I'm not gonna not gonna lie. The fifties yeah, like a lot, a lot of, of epics, and all I have to say to the fifties is why. <laughs> <laughs> so many. So this uh, movie is based on a book by Pierre Boulle called Le Pont de la Rivière Quai. It's obviously a French author. Is that really literally Bridge on the River Quai in French? Yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It is directed by David Lean, and the initial script was done by Carl Foreman, who was later replaced by Michael Wilson. Both of them had to work in secret because they were blacklisted. So Bull was actually initially given credit for the screenplay and got the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, even though he did not speak English. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, But later, uh, Wilson and Foreman were posthumously given Oscars, and they are posthumously given credit. So if you watch uh -huh. um, the movie now, you will see them in the credits. But that was nice. not the case when it initially came out. This movie appears on AFI's Top 100. It was also voted the 11th greatest British film of the 20th century by the British Film Institute. It's, it's, a, huh. it's a British film or British production company, I think. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then there are two major changes from the book, but I will kind of flag them as we, we get to them. Oh, but I want to know now. Okay. I know. Well, I want to see if like if either of the changes are something that like you noticed or you had issue with or something okay. you picked up on, and then I can feel like so. Actually, in the book, <laughs> um, it was made on location in Sri Lanka. Well, so on location, but it was made in Sri Lanka. It's set in um, Bur what was at the time called Burma. Oh, and modern. I think it's supposed to be modern day Thailandish area. I don't know exactly what region was it's on called that kind Burma of like at the time, there, but like Southeast Asia, mm -hmm. um, which I think actually really stands out because everyone is so sweaty and you can tell that the sun is hot. And I think that's a very important aspect oh, yeah. to this film. And they milked that for some cinematographic. How do you? I don't know anyway, what you're trying really to say. Really pretty shots. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so other awards and nominations, David Lean won for Best Director, Alec Guinness won for Best Actor. Mm -hmm. Super well-deserved, yes. I think. Like, career-defining performance. I believe I read that he said um, there was a moment in this film that's, like, the greatest acting he had ever done. Oh. Um, when he exits the oven. Not gonna lie, I was amazed that he was still alive after exiting the oh, oven. Oh, we all were. Seshua Hayakawa was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, but did not win. Again, a nomination I think very, very well deserved. It won for Best Adapted Screenplay, as I already said. Malcolm Arnold won for Best Score. I think the score is great. On the whole, I liked it. I am. There were a couple areas where I would have appreciated some more finesse and a little bit of build as opposed to immediate, like um peril and danger like especially with the um american pow escaping some of those scenes like he just like went full force with the the soundtrack immediately when i think a build would have been more appropriate well, i think but, it's more noticeable because um, there's also a long stretches of this film where the score drops out completely yes and i think in general when they chose to use score versus when they chose mm -hmm. to maybe like just use the whistling of the troops versus like no score at all just the sounds of nature i thought those choices were very well made but i think yes it does make the fact that there is so much without score mm -hmm. does make the parts with score sometimes seem a little bit more over the top yeah and that's where i think just a little bit of more a little bit of finesse in getting into the the heights of drama in some of these parts would have been a little bit more effective. I wouldn't say it took away from the experience too terribly much, though. 
Well, I like the way they use the Colonel Bogies march. Oh, constantly. yeah. That, that one's fun, really good. A fun, very appropriate theme. It also won for best film editing and best cinematography. I definitely see the cinematography. Yeah, the editing, I'm like, eh. I didn't it's notice fine. it. But again, I just, I need to read a book on editing or something, or maybe like, I don't know, watch some YouTube videos on it. Cause mm-hmm. like, I, it's something that I am not great at identifying. Yeah. And like, I have a hard time critiquing editing. Well, unless we're doing something um, like All the King's Men, where the editing was abysmal. Yes, so. unless it's like noticeably <laughs> bad. I cannot. Like, yeah. Yeah, I have a tough time with that one. Um, if anybody has tips on how to identify good editing and bad editing, please tell me. Yeah, please do. That'd be great. Other nominees from that year, 12 Angry Men, Peyton Place, Sayonara, and Witness for the Prosecution. This was also the first time in Oscar history that all five Best Picture nominees also were nominated for Best Director. I need to see 12 Angry Men. I do too. Especially. I, know it's a, I know it's a classic. Yeah. I got called for jury duty one time. I was like, I'm going to watch 12 Angry Men before I go. But then I like, I'd moved. So then I just went in and was like, I can't. <laughs> I don't live here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. Watch notes. We open actually in one of the most dynamic title sequences that I think we've had to date where you're kind of first the camera's just moving through the jungle and then it moves onto those train tracks mm-hmm. and then you're kind of moving through the jungle to the train tracks and we see the prisoners come in on the train we see as the well pri- mm-hmm. the prisoners come in we see the um japanese guards sitting on top of the train we see the people working on the train kind of as the train goes so it was mm-hmm. one of the more dynamic title sequences we've seen i was very confused though because i came into this totally blind like I do most films. And so I was like, okay, what's actually going on here? Are these troops? Are these prisoners? Like what's oh, going on? Oh, see, this on? is another film that I have seen um, many times oh, okay. before. So I was like, <laughs> oh, so it, obviously. It was interesting though, because you, you're immediately put into the setting of like a bunch of people doing work in the jungle. It's really hot. Mm-hmm. People are ragged as Oh, hell. I guess so. You didn't even know it was like World War II. So you couldn't have even have been like, oh, clearly this was wartime prisoners of war oh, oh exactly yeah. exactly so in, until we got the the establishment of there being japanese captors like then it was very clear to me mm-hmm. and i really did like the way that uh major shears or was it it's uh commander commander shears, shears i'm sorry i think i might have demoted him um it's fine it's a naval commander i'm not as familiar with their hierarchy mm, okay so shears mm-hmm. <laughs> and his australian compatriot digging a grave and all that well and um, as i meant to say you know in the title sequence as we're kind of going through the jungle you also one of the first things you see are these bamboo crosses marking graves all yeah. along the tracks oh that was a really that was one point that i thought was really <laughs> mm-hmm. really good and you kind of got the train going past them so you see them with the progress and the cost of progress and yeah that, which is that a was huge really cool. huge theme of this movie i think is basically kind of the question of like the value of human life yeah Definitely is. Yeah. But the character introduction to Shears in particular, where he's immediately bribing one of the guards so that they can be put on the sick list, basically unfit yeah. for work. Um, I don't know. I felt like that was a really good way for us to understand how scrappy Shears as a character is. Because it's later established that like Shears and this Australian guy are pretty much the only people left out of the initial group of POWs that built that yeah. camp. So like Which was like in the hundreds, I think. Yeah. So yeah, easily. They're so scrappy as hell. They are scrappy, they are savvy, they know what's going on, and it means that Shears provides initially this really good juxtaposition to Alec Guinness's character. Yeah. Colonel Nicholson, who comes in with these newly captured British troops, mm-hmm. and he's got them marching in order. They're whistling the Colonel Bogey's march. He's all about, like, we are British. We are British officers. We will, you know, show them kind of like we our best be side. We are soldiers. And they, like, march into time. They march in formation. And there's some beautiful shots of just the feet of these British soldiers marching in time. And they're barefoot. They're muddy. Their shoes are falling apart. Yeah, that shot was so good. And the way they kind of panned past the sick tent, well, sick building, the Mm -hmm. infirmary, with them walking behind. And you saw all of the folks in the infirmary just watching them come in. And that... I don't know. I thought that was very a very powerful show of solidarity of these POWs. And so that, I mean, but immediately... But it's also, there's also this look on, I think this is one of Holden, my favorite performances of William Holden, because mm-hmm. there's always this look on his face too whenever he's dealing with the new POWs and particularly Nicholson of just like, you just don't get it. Like, you oh, yeah. don't know yet. And I think he even says to Nicholson, he's like, you know, 
when he's explaining that he is one of the only people left out of that mm-hmm. original group that built the camp and he's like you know sitting there and throwing the geneva convention at colonel sato like he doesn't care like that that it's great that those things are there but like they mean nothing here like we're in the middle of nowhere you have to just survive yeah well and even with um shears when he's being checked out by the british doctor mm-hmm. clifton clifton yeah who i, I love um, that character i do too um but his comment about how sato is described by many ways but reasonable well, is not one. one of them. yeah which is <laughs> that one was good which is funny because i'll get into it later because i want to talk a lot about sato and nicholson as characters oh yeah they're they're really good and yes they're... and i think we said in our last best picture that like we thought the characters were very thin oh my god we get these characters are meaty characters they're very very well developed very complicated very nuanced and it's wonderful oh yeah and i really i don't know the the silent standoff with the whole British soldier, like well, all the companies, like in formation, like facing Sato's. Well, the cabin. whole thing is like, oh, that was I, that that was a really powerful scene to me. In that it's like, okay, yes. he, the Japanese are in charge, but are they actually? It it is definitely a power struggle. But it the thing that I I don't know. I thought about this a lot while I was watching it. The original dispute between Nicholson and Sato Mm -hmm. is whether or not the officers will work. Yeah. Because Nicholson's like, yeah, my men will work. But according to the Geneva convention, officers can't work. And Sato's like, no, your officers are going to work next, like with your men. It makes me think, and don't get me wrong, the Geneva convention, hugely important. Yeah. Very, very important. I believe that particular article of it was written by some officers (laughs) who were like, I don't want to have to work with enlisted men. And I feel like that's something that seemed very like stereotypical British army to me, just from like the World War II movies I've watched. Well, the idea that like the hierarchy, the rule of the law yes, like as well. the hierarchy and the rules are mm-hmm. very important, and they're particularly important to Nicholson, where he's like, "This is the rule. This is what you're supposed to do. Like we are British soldiers. We will follow what we are supposed yeah. to do. Like we will do orders. The officers will do what officers are supposed to do. The men will listen to their officers, yes. and it must be orderly. And we're going to yes. make sure everyone's in line and that they're soldiers and not slaves. That's like yes. a very key well, part there. Yeah. Yes, and his whole thing where he's like, we can't let the men be idle <laughs> because then they're not soldiers. That reminds and me. if they're not soldiers, the there will devils. be chaos. <laughs> like he's Nicholson is so particular and it's it's one of those things where you're like, he's not 100% wrong in a lot of the time, but at the same time, like he'll carry that, like it's that... He carries love it to an extreme. Yes, he carries it to an extreme, and it's the, the love. The it's film. the love of his rules and like this idea of like Britishness and what a soldier and a particularly a British mm-hmm. British soldier is supposed to be, combined with like his extreme stubbornness, gets him and a lot of people in a lot of trouble. I and mean, it gets a lot of people yeah. killed. So we had the first introduction of Saito, and he talks about the Geneva Convention. They have a. He's like, "No, you'll work, off. but rest today. Go work tomorrow." So they have a soldiers meeting at the um, in the evening there, and that's where again he hammers home the "we are soldiers, not slaves." And thing. and that's when he's like, "We're not going to escape." Right. Because Shears is like, "Dude, I got this plan. I've well, been having this plan for a while. I just yeah. need the right company of people to escape with." And Nicholson's like, "No, we're prisoners of war. Like we don't escape." And then this the acrobatics, this line of logic follows just oh, yeah. astound me. Where he's like. It would almost be like disobeying orders, which in Nicholson's mind is like the worst thing you can do. Well, yeah, because he makes it a big point about he was like we were commanded to surrender because I think it was they were it's because of the fall of Singapore, right? I think there's a line there. I believe Um, so. My knowledge of the Pacific theater is not as good as my knowledge of the European theater in World War II, but he's like we were basically ordered to surrender, so escaping would be like um violating a direct order because his men are arguing they're like isn't it the job of a captured soldier to like try and escape and rejoin his but force? not after surrendering yeah yeah it's, it's he does a lot of mental acrobatics sheer, shears is our proxy is the audience sitting over there being like great well i'm gonna go fucking escape yeah. well his line of no i'm just a slave at the end of that conversation yeah. is like hammers that home where he's just like nah no. Shears is no. also like, I've been here and I've seen what goes on and like I've dealt with Sato and I know that Sato is just as stubborn as you. Like, I Shears plays it smart. Oh, he absolutely 100%. does. So it, the next day when um, finally the men are supposed to go to work, that's where like this first major standoff between Sato and 
Nicholson begins. Yes. Like the first month is this whole standoff. But mm-hmm. this initial scene here was so good because mm-hmm. you start with Nicholson again, going back to his rule book and literally pulling out the Geneva Convention. Yes. He's like, I have a copy if you'd like to reference it. And then Sato S- just takes literally it. smacks him over the face with it and throws it away. And mm-hmm. Nicholson's just like, okay, whatever. Going to stay stony faced. And so the officers are left standing. Because obviously Sato can't let this stand. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, this is a battle of wills. And if Sato loses, Sato's lost. Yeah. Like so the having this uh having the officer stand there while the men go away is like him trying to break them the first and time yes well and i you hear the sound of like a truck bed unlatching, yeah. and you hear like bullets being racked and then um but the lens is on uh sato and nicholson mm-hmm. and then nicholson turns and you see just a machine gun in the back of the truck and basically sato's like you have until the count, count of three. three before like I kill you all. And there's an interesting amount of loyalty that Nicholson commands. I mean, without the amount of loyalty that Nicholson mm-hmm. commands at the beginning of the movie, all the stuff that happens afterwards would not happen. Oh, and like, yeah, because the rest of the officers were still standing there with him. Yes, like they're not moving. You can tell they're looking at each other kind of like, is this going to happen? But like no mm-hmm. one's no one's running. No one's being like, no, don't. Like they're they're doing their duty. They're standing by Nicholson. And I think that also gives us this idea of like how respected Nicholson is by like his officers and his men. Definitely. Because then it makes kind of like this slow descent into madness that happens with his character, I think a lot more powerful because we're like, he clearly was a good officer and he cares very deeply about being a good officer. But because of everything that happens and kind of like the way he loses his mind, like it warps these ideals that he holds onto in ways that are, I think, unhealthy. And like he thinks being a good officer is like having control of your men, keeping them busy, being, you know, attentive, giving orders keeping them organized, Mm -hmm. which is true. But then when he's using that to like bring the sick people who can still kind of walk out of the sick bay to go work on this bridge for the enemy, like it's, oh yeah, they become kind of warped. Like he's these ideals that he has because of, I think the trauma he goes through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and again, it goes back to the whole idea of the, the letter versus the spirit of your rules and regulations. Like, yes, you are a, prisoner of war yes you really don't have a leg to stand on to oppose your captors but that doesn't mean that you have to do a spectacular job of everything that that doesn't mean you you should sit there prepared to die and have your officers die because you don't want to work next to enlisted men even though that's the rule is that like technically you shouldn't have to you know like it's i feel like his his love of the rules his love of the rules trump like his sense of actual existence yes his sense of survival (laughs) and his like desire to keep other people alive which is an an interesting take but ultimately saito backs down well he backs down because of the doctor because clipton comes out oh yeah that's right don't do this he's like there are witnesses there are witnesses there are too many witnesses like you can't kill them so instead he just leaves them to stand there in the hot sun all day day. a beautiful shot where you have clipton no it's not clipton it's jennings this british guy who was Mm -hmm. wounded talking to Shears and the Australian officer whose name I don't remember. Um, and basically being like, so um, I'm down to escape. Fuck this. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, uh, didn't you're like that would be disobeying an order for you. And he's like, it was more of a suggestion. And Shears has a line that I oh, think is, this is so amazing. good. And it it he's so pegged Nicholson where he's like, I get the feeling that a suggestion from a guy like Nicholson is an order. Yeah. And he's right. He's hundred percent right. But there's this beautiful shot where you have those three in the foreground and you can just kind of see right past them to Nicholson and the officer standing there. And one of the officers just goes down, like just passes out and they turn and look, but no one else moves. And the guy just stays there. Oh yeah. All day. Cause I mean, obviously like, Anyone who goes out and tries to help him is going to be in a lot of troubles. So they can't do that. Sato's trying to make a point against Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Nicholson's trying to make a point against Sato. And as far as both of them are concerned, everyone else can be damned. Oh, yeah. We're in a stalemate at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, and there's a beautiful shot, really low angle up at Nicholson with the sun behind him, like right around this point as well, that just ugh, emphasizes that like beating bright hot sun. And mm-hmm. I, I again, that, that was a beautiful, beautiful shot right there. Oh, I love how the doctor, the, that doctor, oh my God, Clifton, he knows how to appeal to Sato because part of the way that he gets him not to shoot them all is he says, 
your soldier's code, does that include murdering unarmed men? Because Sato yeah. is also very into honor. It's like we have all of these different... So I would say there are three definitions of honor from our three completely different definitions from our three main characters. You have Nicholson's, who's his is following the letter of the rules, following mm-hmm. the letter of the law, being a good soldier. Sato's definition of honor is also being a good soldier. Mm-hmm. But it's like you don't surrender. Oh, oh well, he like, has that whole line. So to to jump forward a little bit, after Nicholson has been in the oven for a while, um, Sato has this line where he talks about, I can't stand you British soldiers. You have no shame. Yes. And that's the thing. Where no, it's, what is it? You have pride, but no, sh- no, you have. It was a three No shame, parted. but you don't have pride. Or like maybe you don't have courage. I can't believe I didn't write it down, but it's this it's a really good speech where he yeah. basically outlines why he can't stand can't them. Can't stand that. <laughs> and it's and it, it comes has to down do with to this them, definition of honor. Mm-hmm. And really it comes down to the British soldiers still acting as if nothing has changed with their position. They're acting of like power. they're in yes, they're acting like they are still in charge, even mm-hmm. though they surrendered, which in Sato's eyes is extremely dishonorable. Yeah. And he exactly. talks about it being like you basically are dishonored to your army and mm-hmm. you can stand here and pretend you're still in charge. Like, yep. So yep. you've got his definition of honor and his definition also being like, he's been told he has to get this bridge done. So he's going to get the bridge done because like, otherwise like his life is on the line. Like that's his orders mm-hmm. he has to follow and he doesn't care how he does it. And that's something that like, I, I love that you have these two characters that are both so similar with Nicholson and Sato mm-hmm. in like how stubborn and like they both are they mm-hmm. are and how they will take their pursuit of this like ideal to the detriment of themselves to the detriment of their men to the detriment mm-hmm. of anybody else to their project timelines yes like. exactly <laughs> and just watching them butt heads but at the same time like the characters are so layered and they're so nuanced and like we un- like it doesn't justify any of Sato's actions by any means but we know exactly what pressure he's under like yeah. we know exactly who he is why he thinks the way Mm -hmm. he does we like get backstory for him which i think makes him like a good because i would say he's our villain probably or main villain because i would also say nicholson is also a villain here he becomes one yeah at the very end yeah he he becomes a villain um but like in like with nicholson like we understand who he is and Mm -hmm. why he like this is important to him and yeah well and that so then you have shears who his code of honor is you fucking survive yeah at all costs oh yeah at any cost so ultimately it's a stalemate with sato and the officers so they're just standing there and so sato orders them into the hole the oven whatever you want to call it basically a sheet metal shack that mm-hmm. you have to like curl up in the fetal really. position to work in. It's really hot, like horrible, horrible conditions. So we come to find out that the officers and Colonel Nicholson are cooped up in this for like a month. Yeah. And like they, they can have visits from the doctor who like the doctor, mm-hmm. I he's love able the way they shot that too yeah, with him inside talking. inside the yeah. actual like shack. And he's, he's trying to, because obviously he's a doctor his job Mm -hmm. is to save lives which man i do not envy your job in this situation because every single person is fighting against you just trying to save lives yeah and he's trying to convince nicholson that like like this is dumb like basically and nichols you're fighting for a pyrrhic victory yes well and nicholson's like if we give in this will never stop and i'm like dude it's not gonna stop anyway well but it kind of does so that's that's actually this this whole sequence here is a very clear battle of wills between the men in general and Saito and his... I don't think it's the men. It's I a battle it is, of wills between no, Nicholson and, here's and why. Saito. Because of the immense support that Nicholson is able to garner from the troops. The troops are just going on. But like all the people in the infirmary gathered food and like pinched a coconut and all of this stuff to help make sure that Nicholson would be able to survive being in the foxhole. Mm-hmm. So, or the, whatever you want to call it. The oven. Um, so, like, I see that even even if it's not, like, overt, there's some, like, tacit support behind him. Yeah. And you even see that with once uh, Saito finally gives in, the way that the men rally around Nicholson for having won this battle against Saito is, like, very clear how much they are on the side of Nicholson. Yeah, although there there is – and Clifton is the unsung hero of this because – he also talks to Saito where he's like, you know, those men will 
will respond better to their own officers. Like you need them to build that bridge. Right. They're like, as far as they're concerned, they still report to Nicholson. They still report Mm -hmm. to those other officers. So I feel like Clifton kind of, he, he greases puts the, the wheels a little bit idea. with yeah. Saito where he's like, hey, because again, Clifton just wants people to live. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just he doesn't really care live. otherwise. And there is a scene after, so there's, first off, there's a beautiful scene where um, they sneak Nicholson out of the oven at night to like have dinner with Saito. And he's like, yeah. that's when like Saito gets angry with him and tells him why mm-hmm. he hates the British. But he also provides this backstory about how he wanted to be an artist, but he wasn't very good. His parents instead like... He was a good fit for the, the army. army. Yeah. So we get kind of, you know, some of his backstory. We get more stubbornness with Nicholson because Nicholson, again, is still just like, he my officers will not to work. Eat too. He doesn't eat no. anything. He does take some of the the, the whiskey, but. <laughs> the sake. Well, no, it was. Uh, I, think, I thought they. Oh, I think sorry. it was uh, scotch, actually. I thought they poured him sake, too. Oh. I was talking about sake at one point. So it was. Because we, we come to find out that. Uh, Saito is actually kind of an Anglophile. <laughs> well, he was because he studied there. there too. Yeah, he studied there. Um, you do continue to get that battle of wills there, and it's clear yeah. that and again, we don't know it, who's it, le- it leaves with a stalemate, and then. But the one thing that forces Saito's hand is the bridge progress, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. We get some really great, somewhat comedic scenes of the men working on the bridge and like driving the pylons into the mud and everything just collapsing. There, it's it's subtle sabotage, like. Yeah, they're working just enough they're to not just, appear like they're not working. Yes, they're working just <laughs> enough not to get killed, but they're not working enough to like substantially make progress. Exactly. Well, and the one scene that I remember in particular, like Sato eventually takes the engineer who was in charge off the project and personally takes over command. But even under Saito's watch, like the men, I don't know exactly what happened with the weight that they were driving one of the pylons in, but the part of the bridge that was built collapses. Yeah. <laughs> and again, like, so, so like, it's not his progress. personal responsibility. Like, this does not happen. He's in a ton of trouble. Oh, yeah. oh, so yeah. he's getting desperate. He, you know, given kind of the seed that Clifton planted, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, he can get them to work if he gives them their officers back. So there's this great scene where everyone is lined up and they open the oven and Nicholson comes out and he's struggling to stand on his own, but he adamantly like pushes the help away like he's gonna walk on his own and mm-hmm. i believe that's the scene that alec guinness was like that's the best acting i've ever done it's oh, very it good really it's good. very powerful and everyone you know cheers for him there was also a nice scene when they put him in the oven when everyone was singing for he's a jolly good fellow so again yeah. there's that support behind nicholson so nicholson's won the battle and then there's a shot here that i get but i'm not sure if i 100 percent agree with and that is saito crying in his cabin because he's lost this battle to me, him letting Nicholson go seems like a victory for Nicholson, but it's actually kind of a vic- victory for Saito because well, but- now the bridge progress will happen and because Nicholson is actually very interested in getting this bridge built uh-huh. properly. So to me, I almost wanted a scene of like Saito like closing the door to his cabinet and like smiling because like he's But the thing is Saito's not motivated by the rational logical like efficacy of things he's motivated by the honor and the shame i mean that's why it's with him and nicholson it's dishonorable that he was not able to appropriately break them the way that he thought he should but like the thing with nicholson and cider they were both very appearances based in front of their men Mm -hmm. like and stuff but at the same time i'm kind of like Saito, you kind of won this one. Like, yes, it looks like Nicholson got the victory, but you kind of won well, this but one. He cares about what it looks like. I know. He doesn't I'm, care about the reality. I am clearly, reality. I am clearly a Shears. <laughs> I am clearly a Shears. I'm and like, I mean, pride? What is that? Do it, I win? <laughs> <laughs> and it was pretty clear this was coming. Like, one thing that we didn't talk about in the dinner scene is that the tables get turned and Shear, not Shears, I'm sorry, Colonel Nicholson actually tells Saito to sit down and he does. And at that point, I was like, oh, Saito's lost. Because as soon as Nicholson was able to start ordering Saito around, like the power dynamic is completely different. Yeah. So pretty well, clear after this Well, there's a scene later too. when after Nicholson's gone off his rocker and he's like, why are we building the bridge here? We should be building it. Like his engineer's like, well, I would actually build it downstream there because like the better rock's better. And he's like, well, then we should do that. He's like, I'm going to take all this stuff to Colonel Saito because like we're British and we're going to show them that we are good at this. And like, we are going to build yeah. the best bridge they've ever had. And we're all like, oh, his brain got cooked in that oven. Like, yeah, I- it is. He's gone. He's gone. But there's a scene where Nicholson is telling Saito all of these things and he's being like, 
my officers will work with the men, but if we could have some of your men also work with the men, if we it split the crews the this way work. inside is like, I've already given the order, but you can tell he he's broken. He's he like hasn't, totally he, broken. Well, I think he's also just like very confused. Well, okay. As to so like why this is happening, but he's like every time, mm-hmm. um, Nicholson makes a suggestion. He's like, he just does it. I've given the order. I've already given the order. And it's kind of like him being like, Oh yes, I knew that. I'm also so oh, confused with see, you right no, now. The, the, to, Cause this whole scene, is the very clear, this is after Nicholson has been freed. We have this glorious Shears jubilation. has escaped because Shears actually yes. does make a run for it and ends um, up um, we can successfully talk to his escaping. In a second. I don't think um, we need to talk too much about how he escapes, but he does successfully escape. Yeah. Goes through a village, manages get, to get back to some hospital yeah. in Ceylon. Or, That's really not the most important part it, of his It's story. really not. But in this scene with Saito, it's all of the officers presenting their plan of how to build this bridge to Saito. Mm-hmm. And... It's very clear that Saito is totally unprepared for the magnitude of this meeting. So one, wonderful touches here where Nicholson was like, can we get a spot of tea and dinner? And the way he puts it is so like insidious and conniving because he's like, oh, you know, it'd be really great if we could get some tea, but it'd also be efficient if we could just work through dinner. Do you think you can arrange to have that happen? (laughs) So the way that he is forcing Saito's hand in some of this Mm -hmm. just to get the stuff done because Saito cares so much about the appearance of getting it done like and the appearance he's just of being in charge but at the same time i'm like saito you're not in charge well, well and no that's... but saito cares about being in charge and i'm just like but you're also getting exactly like you're getting what you need you're getting what you yeah like the but so, he cares about the appearance i know, so I know. Much. nicholson's won the short game but saito has so won the long game at yeah. this point but saito doesn't care about the long game as much as he cares about the short game yeah, and i'm exactly. like exactly well and that line about i've already given the order to me that wasn't more of a saving face thing it was more of a he is so resigned to the fact kind of thing well he's just resigned to the fact that Nicholson and his men are going to do what they're going to do, re- whether or not Saito says yes or no. Gotcha. And like, given his expression and his just deadpan, like that's how I read that that particular line. Gotcha. And especially the repetition. I think you of can it. read it either way. I read it a little bit as like trying to save a little bit of face, but also just being like really confused. It's like, okay, why are these yeah. people coming? Well, to and the me way that scene ended with Saito just kind of sitting there, blank faced, just staring off into space like it was very clear to me that he's like oh i've like totally lost control of this oh yeah yeah he's definitely which is lost what he control. cares about and he's just like but I downtrodden think for it's it. like is it a good thing i've lost control or is it a bad thing i've lost control <laughs> oh see i didn't give him that much credit to have no i think he thinks it's a bad thing he lost control if i was in that situation i would be like what's the catch <laughs> well it's because we know that you're scheming and duplicitous it's because i'm i'm shears (laughs) i am a shears i am like you know what keep my head down escape this motherfucker go lie on a beach at a hotel at a hospital somewhere and okay can we talk like to totally take a detour because the movie does too holy shit i want to go to that hospital i know it's like on the beach i know he gets to hang out with another officer like a woman officer a pretty blonde woman officer on the beach he's basically on drinking martinis like how do i get that (laughs) <laughs> well first Ian well, you have to go back to World War II yeah okay and so you have to be captured and imprisoned in we're gonna POW just not do any of that so okay yeah I thought I thought you know you might question whether or not it would be worth it in the end yeah not worth it in the end yeah I, I, I'd, um, I'd know but you know let's talk about this so Shears is approached by these British intelligence officers mm-hmm. or special forces officers it's basically commandos yeah and they're like Hey, so uh, we're concerned about this bridge that's now actually being constructed. Um, it's like near where you were picked up. Yeah. Do you want to like tell us about that? And like maybe, I don't know, go back there and blow it up maybe? <laughs> and Shears is like, uh, no, I'm good. There's a pretty officer waiting for me on the beach. I will see you later. And they're like, so we've already had your trans- pa- like temporary transfer papers put in. So oh, like, and by the way. Oh, BT dubs and Shears is like, oh, great. That's great. Is it under Shears? Right. Not actually my name. When my boat crashed, I stole a dead officer's uniform. I've been going by Shears. Which is that like ain't a me. huge no-no. But like then he's impersonating like, impersonating an officer. Oh, it is. But he's like, I got a plan because he's Shears. 
Of course William he does. Holden, he's got a plan. He's like... He's insane. Absolutely insane. He got shipwrecked and then was held in a POW camp for months that he barely survived. Ian, the man's insane. He could not help this. He is golden. But the beauty is the commandos are so good at their job. They already oh, know all this? of yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, so it <laughs> took us a while to like dig up your file and your picture, but like we kind of already know that. Oh, and, and now you're Commander Shears. Like we have forged it and oh, made yeah. it official. Well, welcome to your new identity. So like, do you want to just like go blow this up for us? And he's like, well... Might as well volunteer yes. if I'm going to be forced to. Yes, I like that where he's like, I'll I'll pretend that this was my idea. Oh, yeah. It's... And so then we get his That scene team. was amazing. That was so good. Well, and I just do want to say for a minute, the set there as well was breathtaking because mm-hmm. they're in this botanical garden. But this officer's office is up on this hill with huge panoramic windows just looking out over this gorgeous valley. Can I have valley. his job in his office? I want it. So badly. So badly. Oh. But anyway, we also get introduced to the the, team, pir- the commando team. Exactly. One of whom is a total, total pyromaniac. And it's amazing. <laughs> like, as much as this film was serious, there were some good comedic moments. And one was where the the one explosive guy throws the plastic explosive at Shears and Shears like fumbles it and freaks out because he thinks it's going to explode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy's like, gotcha. And he's like, no, it's not going to explode. It's fine. Um Yes, we have him. We have this like British officer who's in charge. Who is the pyrotechnics guy. Oh, that is the pyrotechnics yeah. guy. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have a young kid who was the best swimmer in his class. And who's he's, the he's third basically one? like the best trainee. I don't, the third guy, he doesn't survive, right? Yeah, he doesn't even survive the jump. Like yeah, the parachute he dies in jump. The jump. So I don't um, know if he's. We that, didn't get much of him. Yeah, he's unimportant. But um, the, yeah, you have the, the kid who they're kind of like, I don't know if he's ready mm-hmm. for this. And they're like, he says he wants to come. So. Well, but I did, I did appreciate the way that they talked about having to kill someone with your knife up close and yeah. personal. So like they, cause he's like, they're like, you're the best in training, but that's different. Yeah. Like, will you kill a man without hesitation for this? Because you will but the have way to he answers is so good. It's like, I, I have a hard time dealing with the idea that, um, killing someone is not a wrong. He used to, he, he put it better than that. Yeah. Um, but the way that the like commanding officer in that room then says, yeah, it's a perennial issue with the army or the military. Like that was some more nuanced, like handling of that issue than I was expecting. Oh yeah. And it was really, I really appreciated it. Yeah. No, I think, I, I think that they do a lot with this film that kind of brings up the question of like, is it worth it? And there's oh, a lot absolutely. of stuff that Shear says about like, what are we even fighting for? Like what? Especially when he's in that POW camp, he's like, yep. I, you know, like all of your honor and your rules are great, but like, for what, are, what? what are they for? Like, that's not going to keep you alive here. Yeah. It'll actively kill you here. Exactly. And so we'll, um, I love the lines they're talking about the jump because Shears has never parachuted him before. <laughs> and they're like, well, you know, the first time you do it, it's like a 50% chance that you'll be okay. 50% chance something happens. Second time you do it, it's like an 80% chance something bad happens. And like the third time you do it, like you're basically guaranteed for something to go wrong. So we think you should just jump that first time because like your odds are better. Which was hilarious. And then, and then the two, two British guys like just crack up. It's a very dry, like there's the humor in this is very like dry, dry British wit. And I love it. But I, I really do too. Really, really, really do too. So one thing that I did forget to mention way back right at the end of the meeting between Saito and Nicholson and the men, mm-hmm. um, Nicholson says something to the effect of, had we not wasted a month on a stupid disagreement? Well, and there's <laughs> that was a beautiful line. Neither Nicholson or Saito will ever take responsibility though for it. Oh, absolutely they're both like, not. it's not my fault. It's his fault. And I'm like, it's both of your fault. You're both. Ugh. Saito, you know. can't treat prisoners of war that way. Nicholson, oh my God, they're just rules. Calm down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the, yeah, they're, they're both so responsible and both so adamant that they're not responsible, mm-hmm. that it's the other person's oh, fault. Yeah. So we know that there's going to be a commando team coming in to try and blow up the bridge. We basically understand that this bridge is going to get built and we see some progress check-ins throughout the, mm-hmm. throughout the film. And well, I think something this movie did a great job of was raising stakes and adding urgency in a very like practical, intuitive way. Like there was nothing that seemed like convenient. So like yeah, yeah. they're building the bridge. So they're like, we want you to go blow up the bridge. Later they find when they fix the radio after the drop 
that there's going to be a train coming over that bridge. So they're like, okay, well now if we can get there in order to also blow up that supply train too, like that's well, with now VIPs on it. Yes. Like, it's got like yeah. high ranking military officers. It's got supplies. They're like, if we can get that too, it's now added urgency to their mission. They've got um, a shorter timeline and mm-hmm. then there's the end where you have the rivers down. Then it's like, you have the wires where they wired the bridge exposed. So yep. I felt, I felt like they constantly were like upping stakes and adding urgency, but in like, in ways like there was nothing where I was like, somebody needed a little plot magic, you know? like Oh yeah. It was all very well, well put together and played off the different pieces. Now I will say, so in this next section of the film, it's, predominantly focused on the commando party getting to the bridge itself. Yes. And I think here was our opportunity to trim a little fat from the movie. Probably a lot of fat. David Lean likes a gratuitous um, landscape shot. Yeah, there was a lot of those. Yeah, and I mean, it was cool because like it's very pretty terrain, but I didn't need quite so much of it. I didn't need yeah. them for quite as long. Because we see them trekking over field, over bog, over river, over dale. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we could have just trekked over two of those guys. Uh, yeah. like, or we, one of those. We already got it, the idea of like how far mm-hmm. and arduous this trek is going to be with Shears's escape. Oh, so exactly. I don't think we needed that emphasis it as much now. I but there are a couple say, important things that happen. There are. Going. So at the very beginning, one, we get a beautiful shot of them actually jumping from the, the airplane. Oh, we also get a lot of night filters. You can tell we our do. night filters in this movie <laughs> because everyone's shadow is like high noon level yeah. shadow. Um, but the one <laughs> no, shot high that noon I would loved. be basically no shadow. It's like the longest shadows. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Um, but the one shot that I really loved was where we saw that the one member of the team was impaled on a tree. Mm. And you kind of get this really dark. Must have been his third jump. Oh, I swear. I I was not even 100% sure like what he got impaled on. I was Probably like. A tree. No, the the people who are in like paratroopers and stuff. I'm, it's insane. Oh my God. Um, like the, just the inherent danger in that. Like forget yeah. that you're already like going into war, but like you're going into war with like the limited amount of supplies you can carry on your body as you plummet to the earth. And then and hope that your parachute duck. that you usually have packed yourself packed right yeah like is packed right will deploy and that like nobody sees you you land in the right place you you can land in the right place that's like open enough so that you don't impale yourself on a tree but also close enough to cover to where you're not just a sitting duck out in a field like oh my god i cannot imagine and did go wrong in this case um but we now understand that the village that shears was in also hate the japanese because they took all the men for their Mm -hmm. building project so they are helping them get to the site which there's some like a whole bunch of shots of some implied like okay the women who are helping carry their stuff are like interested in a there, couple yeah, of there's commandos like, there's like and... some minor love storyish stuff that happens which like it's fine i didn't need it but like it doesn't they don't focus on it too heavily so i was okay with it yeah well and i actually i did like it from the perspective of it fleshing out the commandos as not just machines yeah so like from that perspective, I, w- I was I was okay with it. Um, was there too much vamping? Yes. So that that's where I took issue mostly. So in the middle of their trek, um, they are washing up at some falls. Oh my god! I want to lounge by those falls. Oh, I do they too. So like, I want to go there. I, oh, and also, gorgeous. I'm amazed that nobody got hurt while filming. <laughs> uh, apparently, <laughs> to be David Lean almost drowned. Oh well. Yeah. Um, but some Japanese soldiers come upon them as they are like when they they come across because the uh female like carriers because they're they're carrying like a lot of their baggage and they're Mm -hmm. providing like navigation and stuff like that yeah um and so the the soldiers british soldiers are like well and shears are there to shoot down the japanese soldiers that could potentially narc on them (laughs) but one gets away and this is one of the most powerful sequences i think in the film yes so not only do you have very well shot, very well chosen locations where you're in the woods in a bamboo forest. You have Shears and the youngest member of the the commando crew, the one where he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to actually use his knife, mm-hmm. stalking this one Japanese soldier. Mm-hmm. The parts that I really loved were in the bamboo thing where you have them moving position to position and framed beautifully within oh, these yeah. stalks of bamboo. And, and then the score is doing some beautiful things mm-hmm. with kind of like really the getting that tension up. that they were able to build here was so great. Because mm. the other thing too is they, they did throw a grenade. So all of these fruit bats are flying around. So you see this flutter of shadows uh, in this dappled sunlight in the, in the 
forest, but mm-hmm. you can't tell what's moving and what's not because of it. So like it's high, high, high stakes. Yeah. But the youngest member comes find, face to face with that Japanese soldier. And, and they're he's both so kind, young. Well, they're both they're kind of both so they're, young. They're babies. And no, that's the part babies. that like, holy shit. I know. And there's just a pause and they're kind of like looking at each other. And and that's when Shears goes in. Mm-mm, no, it wasn't Shears. Shears. It was uh, Gra- Graves. It's the command. Is his name Graves? It's the, the guy commanding the commandos. Yeah, exactly. The commanding officer goes in, knifes him, and gets shot in the foot. But Yeah, the sh- well, the way they shoot this though. Because you see him go in and you hear the gunshot. Mm-hmm. And so you're not sure, like, did the weapon just go off? Yeah, did we don't know get what him? happened. He stands up. The kid's like, are you hurt? And he's like, I'm fine. But we can tell he's been shot. We're not entirely sure where he's been shot. And then it pans down. And there's just a shot of the dead Japanese soldier, the gun, a spot of blood from the commando, mm-hmm. and a picture of, like, I I'm assuming the guy's the, a mom or a wife yeah. i couldn't tell the picture wasn't super clear but and like it looked like some family like a rosary or something which i don't know those beads i don't know what the beads were supposed to represent it could, have, but, it could have been a rosary maybe it's like a necklace also, from the loved one but it's, yeah that would make more sense than a rosary <laughs> I, I don't know because i'm not sure um, regardless time. though that anyway. was again like oh it, it, it kind of goes back to the all quiet on the western front idea of humanizing the enemy oh yeah 100%. and that's exactly what this scene did and it was like whoa okay yeah. Oh Not gosh. everybody is Saito. <laughs> Not everybody is Saito. And even Saito, at least we know why Saito is Saito. You know, like they they really did like flesh out so many of these characters. Yeah. And, like, I mean, even, you know, like the young kid commando, like, you know, I can't even remember his name, but like he's got a very distinct character to him. And like yes. he has a character arc and stuff. So like they even in the short time on screen. Yeah. They just they did really really great things with character and yes. kind of it's it's like a, a horror it's a horrors of war war film yeah definitely sure. is so we know that the commander is shot in the foot he tries to soldier on no pun intended um pun intended be honest maybe a lot <laughs> um <laughs> and this again a lot of extra vamping here where yeah, just I, again, like I didn't need, over I didn't need quite as much of it. But. Um, and so they finally rest at this like really beautiful tree. And the commanding officer's like, go on without me. And Shears is like, fuck you, no. Well, and previously <laughs> when they left, the guy had like, given Shears a capsule. And Shears was like, uh, so we won't be taken alive? And he's like, yeah, well, kind of. And Shears like, uh, keep your capsule, dude. Exactly. Well, and that's the speech that he gives by this tree. That it's like, you act like everything is just the rules and war is the end game and life is not something worth preserving yeah and that's why they ultimately put together a litter and carry the commanding officer with yeah yeah a hundred percent well they also kind of he's also the only one who speaks the local language uh, yeah so, so like, like maybe it's a little self-serving but but like but no like shears is shears is the one who's i think kind of putting our our perspective in where he's like, look, you know, your rules and you're like, they shouldn't trump humanity. Yes. Yes. Rules should not trump humanity. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a really good speech by, by Shears there. Mm-hmm. They finally make it to the I bridge. like, I like when William Holden gives emotional speeches because he still seems so angry about them. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, damn you for making me feel feels. <laughs> I will not leave you behind. And, and I sympathize with that. Yeah. So they finally make it to the bridge. We, I, I actually did like the landscape shot from the top of the hill and the way the soundtrack mm-hmm. swelled and how they kind of helped the commanding officer up. It is, it is a well built bridge. Oh, Let's absolutely. Be honest. It is well, very I think, well built. Hold on, like what? What is my exact note there? I think is, uh, <laughs> I literally have. It's the bridge, and damn, it's nice too. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice bridge. That is a nice bridge. It is. So it was well built. Good job, Colonel Nicholson. I think when we get these kind of alternating shots, because Nicholson, you know, super proud of their bridge. There's like this wooden plaque that they've carved on it saying that it was like built by their regiment and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Well, there um, was a line part, earlier. Part of his thing is he's like, I want when people, you, you know, when the war is over and people hundreds of years from now are using this bridge, I want them to know who built it. Yeah. If we, even if we don't survive, like we've left this behind. Yeah. Which is beautiful sentiment but <laughs> yeah it's also like but a <laughs> hundred years what are you enabling now for the long term yeah and is it worth it yeah 
Because as Clifton even points out to a certain point, he's like, Nicholson, some of this is like kind of borderline treason. Yeah, exactly. I, like, I think he flat out says, did a... we have to do it so well? Yes, yes. He's like, it's kind of aiding and abetting. Like <laughs> They could have just built the bridge like they thought it was going to be built and let the train just fall down. Yeah. But they didn't. They yeah. had to like actually do it well. Yeah. So he had I, to prove the British superiority, Ian. Everyone else be damned. Okay. Again, I'm gonna whip this out again. Pyrrhic victory. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is. It is. Um, um, but Nicholson is very emotional about it, and we get some very nice kind of scenes with him and Sado. Yes, when they're on the bridge, mm-hmm. and he. It's interesting hearing Nicholson talk about his legacy and like, hey, did my life actually mean something? Mm-hmm. And then he drops a stick and is like, oh well, time to go. <laughs> It kind of like brings him out of his reverie because there's a celebration Mm -hmm. going on. And then we get kind of this nice sequence that is alternating between this kind of like silly vaudevillian Uh, celebration that the soldiers are putting on. A wartime drag show. Basically, yeah. (laughs) And the commando team wiring the bridge at night. Yes. And so there's actually a patrol on the bridge while they're wiring it. So like you hear the footsteps the entire time. So like that, that ratchets up the stakes a little bit mm-hmm. they also I had to some say, great shots they were beautiful shots i think the wiring of the bridge went on a little too long like they it they did. tried to like get you like a few too many times i mean i don't think i'm curious if it was them trying to get us or more just trying to be Where like, you're like oh my god the guy's leaning over what's the edge happen? of the bridge are they gonna yeah like i felt like they tried to like be like are they gonna catch him no like one or two too many times. Yeah, like when and, the soldiers were looking at their shadows in the water and was like, oh, look, we're making goofy motions. Yeah, like it was it was just a couple too many times. It went on a little too long. But in general, like it's a nice, a nicely put together sequence. Definitely. So everybody finally gets in their places. They've put all the wiring in. They've well, tested the detonator. Like they're ready. Because we're plot intention's sake and like the movie climax, uh-huh. we need everyone there, right? Yeah. So they give us a reasonable reason why the commando team has to freaking stick around because they're like, we don't know what time that train has to come right. through. So we can't just like set a charge and go. They have to somebody has when to, it's there. Yes. Yeah, somebody has to hit the plunger. Ugh. And because of like the layout and everything, that person's going to have to be on the opposite side of the river and then mm-hmm. they'll have to swim across. So they decide that the kid's going to be over there. Because he's the best swimmer in his class. The best swimmer in his class. I was like, not the kid. Yeah. Well, and... Shears' line about how I wish you a long life, I was just like, oh, it's over. Oh, no. I mean, we all knew it was always going to be over. I didn't know everyone was going to (laughs) die. Spoiler alert. Um, (laughs) A lot lot of people die. Yeah. So anyway, we're getting ready for the inaugural train. Nicholson, asshole, is walking the bridge, checking things out, notices that something is off at the pylons. Because again, the... The river's down, so you can see the wiring, and they yes. point that out in the morning. I actually love that bit where you have um, some of the women who are their like uh, baggage carriers and stuff, uh-huh. and their navigators like wake one of them up and like points, and they're like, "Oh shit, you can yeah. see the wires!" And there's like a wire that's like caught on a branch in mm-hmm. the river that like previously you couldn't see. Yep. You can see the wiring going up to the beach where the kids hiding with the plunger, He's and like, there's some great tension shots of him just like throwing, throwing sand onto just it. like yeah. clumps of sand on there, just trying to cover it up. Yeah, this this whole scene built so much tension. And Nicholson taking Saito and coming down to, like, inspect the pylons. And then that's when, like, Shears and the head of the commanders, they're like, what is he doing? What is he, what is he doing? And they kind of realize, and I think especially Shears is like, he's lost it. Yeah. Well, and this whole time, too, we're hearing the train whistle in the background. Yes, and at this point, too, Shears is like, just blow the bridge. Just blow the bridge. But, of course, like, they don't, they don't have, like... Radios, they can't they talk. Don't yeah. yeah, they can't tell the kid to blow the bridge, but they're like, just blow the bridge. It doesn't matter. Like, the train's close enough. Like, whatever. Just blow the bridge. We gotta go. We gotta uh-huh. go. Uh-huh. And we're all just like, just blow the bridge. Just blow the bridge. I would have fucking blown the bridge. Oh, I would have too. I probably would have blown it at night. Like, let's be honest. I mean, <laughs> I feel like when I saw that the river was down, I would have looked up and like, my people would be like, hey, hey, like, hey, hey, hey. And then mouthing, I'm gonna blow this sucker. <laughs> like, I think I would have just done it. Like, well, I would have just been like, but the minute yeah. the minute I saw somebody looking over the edge and pointing at wires, I'm like, bye. <laughs> well, I don't think the kid did. I think that was just um, Shears on the other side that actually saw oh, true. Nicholson actually. Maybe the minute stuff. I heard people coming down the beach, oh, I would have been like, bye. Something. <laughs> also, just for our listeners, every time I say bye, I'm making the plunger motion. <laughs> <laughs> um, but now things happen really quickly. Mm-hmm. So again, remember, the kid wasn't able to kill the young Japanese soldier last no, time. No, but Nicholson leads Saito up and is like pulling up the wire through the sand, sees where it leads to this rock, and is 
Saito has up. his back to the rock. Yes. And the kid comes out. And kills Saito. Which was like, okay, interesting. Growth, I think. Yes. I mean, it's like the, he... He understands the he, stakes now. Yes, he does. He 100% understands the stakes. You know, he he didn't do it last time. Somebody got hurt. You yeah. Know, so, or somebody, I guess somebody on his team got hurt. But what contributes to the goddamn futility of it all is how yes. Nicholson ruins it Nicholson by yelling for help. loses it because the kid's like, sir, we have to go. We have to blow the bridge. And he's like, blow the bridge? He's so focused on, well, and I think, again, his, it's his Colonel, Lieutenant well, he, Colonel Nicholson, leader of the soldiers that built the bridge. Like, it's on the plaque. Yes. And like, he, he is so invested in it's, this bridge. It's his legacy. He had the little legacy speech. Like, this is his legacy. And he loses it. And Everything goes to shit. Yeah, so he tackles the kid the, there are soldiers on the bridge now shooting at this point. Mm-hmm. Shoots the kid. The kid dies. Shears is so mad because I like that Shears at that point and even the head of the bridge commanders are just like screaming across the river. They're like, kill him. Kill him. Like the kid yeah. like, telling him them to kill um, Nicholson. Nicholson. He's like, kill him. Well, and you have Shears that is now like running across the river to try and... Save the kid. Exactly. But then they put a mortar like right there. Kills Nicholson kills shears i like though the that kid, kid is dead well, first shears gets shot a couple of times and mm-hmm. he's kind of struggling up the beach and he looks up at nicholson and nicholson says you and he said just looks at him back and goes you yeah and that's when nicholson says what have i done well i believe yes. yeah i think that's when he just kind of goes what have i done because he's i think he at that point realizes like the stakes he's like this guy escaped and got out and, like, and came, came back. back to do this because like, that was his well, duty as a soldier. I, I think Nicholson just realized that, like, he fucked up. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm okay with the fact that Nicholson probably read into Shears coming back as Shears being a much better person than Shears actually is. No, Shears just um, got blackmailed. <laughs> but I'm okay, f- like, for the purposes of well, Nicholson's and to be opinion. fair, Shears did not have to run down there. No, but he did. He does to try and save the kid because somebody's got to push that plunger. So yes. he gets down there. Um, He dies. That's when the mortar hits Mm -hmm. that area um nicholson is like not long for this world no nicholson he's clearly got a head wound i love the shot where he fully stands up picks up his hat brushes off the sand and then walks towards the plunger and he ends up ends up collapsing onto the plunger and it blows the bridge and the train crashes through Mm -hmm. and i think i love the imagery of falling on your sword like literally like this thing like he caused so many issues and so many people died because of this frankly vanity project yeah and then he's the one to destroy the thing Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's so poetic that actually is not in the book like the bridge gets blown but there's only minor damage to it and nicholson is not like doesn't fall on the plunger i Uh, like it better this is so much better it solved all the dramatic no it's like nicholson in his pursuit of protecting his creation destroys himself and his creation and a lot of other people i cannot stress enough and by beautiful i mean horrific but (laughs) die because of nicholson yeah but um and then you get the head of the commandos who's you know rightfully getting a little bit of judgment from oh yeah he you know the crew and the um the women who were helping uh carry all the baggage and the weapons and He's like, I had like I had to put the mortar there. I like, couldn't I had let to... them get captured alive. I know. I wanted to be like, sure's got out once, he'll get out again. Saito's you you can't see the look I'm giving Maggie right now, but it's like, okay, some more bullshit rule shit. I know. Like, come on. Come on. We then get kind of the wrapping up scene where we see the plaque floating downriver that they had put up about yeah. the soldiers building it. And I I kinda wish it had ended on that shot. It didn't, it ends like right, like pretty close after that. So it's not like a huge thing, but like, I kind of wish it just ended on that. But we do also see Clifton who walks down to the Mm -hmm. beach and just sees like, and he says madness, these bodies. And he's like, madness, it's madness. Because Clifton this entire time has been trying to walk that line of like Mm -hmm. reigning in Nicholson, um, reigning in Saito to a certain degree, like as much as he can just trying to his Clifton's whole entire thing has been like, how can I get as many people through this alive as I possibly can? Mm-hmm. And then he's just standing in this, everyone like, dead surrounded by bodies. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then it ends on like a sl- shot that a wide shot that slowly pulls away from the rub- rubble and just yeah. kind of like backs out. And I think I agree with you that I had it. I, I don't really like that. They came back to Clinton at the end. 
Like, had they not done that, I would have been okay or with it. Or even if he had just not said madness, madness. Like, yeah. I didn't, I, th- I think that's what I it was It could have stood there. by itself. It Like, maybe just have Clifton picking up the sign out of the water. Well, I did like the final shot of the bridge rubble and all of that. That yeah. I thought was, like, very, as much as they lingered way too long on some things in the film, I don't think that was one of the places mm-hmm. where they lingered too long. Um, but, yeah, I I feel like. You didn't need to beat us over the head with that. We get that it's madness. I think the running time for this movie is like two hours and 40 minutes. And yeah. I think we could have gotten it down to a comfortable 215 by oh, trimming easily, some fat. Easily. Except for don't trim anything with Sido and Nicholson. No, 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 no. All of their scenes are like good. Now, there are some scenes where Sido like stares and spies at interactions between some of the British soldiers that I kind of like, we didn't really need to see, watch him just stony faced staring at things. Like, what purpose did that lead? Yeah. And that kind of, to me, all of those scenes of Saito staring seemed to be building up to some sort of character revelation. And especially, like, at the bridge when Nicholson's talking about legacy, Saito doesn't really contribute. And, like, I feel as if they set up all of this stuff and then didn't give us any, like, developmental payout with Saito. I mean, And it yeah, pisses a me off. <laughs> I don't... Maybe the thing with Saito is that, like, he's a little bit broken. Because I think the part where he you're talking about him, like, watching the interactions with the British soldiers, I think that there is an isolation with Saito. Like, he's definitely, he he's picked the path of leading through fear mm-hmm. more than leading through love. And so I think there's almost a jealousy there in that, like, Nicholson has this, this support from his men. Yeah. And Saito's clearly not, like, close with his men. Like, he, you know, like, we don't really ever see... Saito interacting that much with his men outside mm-hmm. of like giving some orders and receiving salutes like you know like there isn't there isn't the entire re- like regiment singing for he's a jolly good fellow because he got <laughs> locked in the oven for being stubborn yes, you know like yes. it's I think that there's a loneliness to Saito and I think the scene where Nicholson's talking about his legacy I almost want to say that it's like this like a scene where, and I may be reading much, a lot into this, but I think, um, the performance is so good. So you can kind of read it a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. but that's where Saito kind of realizes maybe he and Nicholson aren't that different. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So I, I don't know, maybe that, because like by the end of it, like they're definitely not friends, but there's like a weird, almost camaraderie there, you know? Like, yeah, it's, there is. It's like a mutual understanding of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very it's- odd relationship yeah absolutely is ultimately i i did like this one i fully agree with the you could have cut out probably half an hour of vamping that we didn't really need it's trimming it's trimming the fat on this one there you know there aren't like plot lines i need cut or anything like absolutely not i think in terms of the way the plot moved forward and how they developed the characters it was very good okay are you ready for lists i am ready for lists let's do it i am putting this as my new number 11. Oh, we are so, real close. We are? Yeah. Let, let me hear why. I had a feeling. I think it's a beautifully shot movie. I think the performances are absolutely amazing. I like that it brings kind of these wider philosophical questions up while also mm-hmm. giving you really great char- characters to kind of mm-hmm. like shuttle you through that. And I, I thought it was a very interesting look at kind of the POW aspect of war as well as like kind of the mm-hmm. psychological stuff that i don't think is like we've we've seen bits of in other movies but just never quite from this perspective yeah but mostly for me it's like the performances and then the way the cinematography and the score work together i think are just really good but so it's mm-hmm. after marty but before from here to eternity and it's hilarious because looking at my list all of my world war ii movies are right in there together. So in order, I have The Bridge on the River Kwai from Here to Eternity, The Best Years of Our Lives, and Mrs. Miniver. <laughs> like, back to back to <laughs> nice. back to back to back. Mine are not in that order, but, but I just very close. Marty, there was something different about Marty that I just... Yeah. There was like, there's a delight factor. It's... It, this was not a delightful movie. <laughs> no, this is a very sad movie that will leave you like a little depressed. Yeah. I think it's a very important movie to watch because it does make you think about some very important... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. philosophies and ideas but like i don't know that marty marty also felt extremely modern yeah in it a way did. like it just it there's just something about marty <laughs> <laughs> so anyway that's okay. where i'm putting it 
So mine is at actually number 10. So one before Maggie's. And so that puts it after On the Waterfront, but before Best Years of Our Lives. And so On the Waterfront, I think as a whole was more efficient. Mm -hmm. It's got a similar vibe though. It does have a similar vibe. Particularly with like the Shears character. Mm -hmm. And like acting was kind of on par, but I don't know, like On the Waterfront was just so tidy and well done. And like both of them have really good cinematography I think mm-hmm. on the waterfront cinematography is just a little bit more oh, wow totally to agree. it. But. And then for Bridge on the River Kwai, I really, I thought that because it focused on a very small subset of folks and their motivations, I thought it was more effective in making us really care about the characters mm-hmm. and putting into contrast like the cost of war and the value of life, like human life. Yeah, Best Years of Our Lives kind of did work to do that, but its lens was so different and that I, I it just didn't have the same the story punch to i me. feel like there was more separation to some of the stories and storylines mm-hmm. in the best years of our lives whereas like these like granted you have like the commandos going through the mm-hmm. jungle versus the bridge being built but like they're still they're much more connected storylines yeah. so like you get more interaction between the characters mm-hmm. and they like affect each other a little bit more yeah so i ultimately I, this one I thought was a better dealt with those those themes better than, yeah. than best years of our lives. So, yeah. so I think we unanimously agree that this is a good one to watch. Yes, definitely. Um, I may have put it after Mrs. Miniver, I believe, um, but otherwise, I think our orders are fairly similar yeah. with the the World War II films. Yeah, they're. I mean, a lot of them deal with very similar themes. So mm-hmm. it's- I think understandable. And they've all been very good movies too. Like there hasn't been any of our world war two ones that I've been like, man, that's just not a good movie. Oh yeah. Totally agree. So, um, cool. Yeah. Definitely worth a watch. So for bridge on the river Kwai. So in the meantime, between this episode and the next, if you want to find us on social media, we are at best pictures pod on Instagram and Twitter. We would love to hear from you, hear your thoughts on bridge on the river Kwai or any of the other movies we've done, or even any of the movies that we will be doing in the future. You can go ahead and be like, I'm super excited to hear you guys talk about this one, or you guys are going to hate this one heads up. So, <laughs> um, whatever you want to, whatever you want to like tweet at us, posted us, um, for longer form, thoughts you can email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com all right well thanks for listening and join us next time for the 31st best picture winner Gigi. Uh, oh it'll be okay uh, <laughs> at least it's not an epic talk to y'all next time i love time. some of oh, these wait. epics but i cannot do so many of them back to back i am dying this has been like our entire saturday it's gonna be fine you know we'll how some Gigi. of these epics have intermissions we had to take an intermission today <laughs> Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye.